0: In different circumstances, I might say, it, "I might say it's nice to see you," but um, I don't see you. You might see me, but I'm looking at a camera. This isn't recorded live; it's pre-recorded. I'm sorry if I'm ruining this moment for us, uh, but I'd like you to take uh, comfort and encouragement from our reading today. Listen, listen, especially to this last verse of our reading, uh, chapter two, verse five. Uh, listen and see if there isn't something that doesn't resonate in our circumstances. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Colossians, um, whom he hasn't met personally. He says, For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. The Apostle Paul, despite... The distance, he's most likely in chains in Rome awaiting his trial. Yeah, despite the distance, despite not meeting them personally, he says that he's so keen to see their progress in their relationship with Christ. He's so keen to know how they're going. Is that true of us in the church? That in this time though, despite our separation, despite our isolation and Um, Being in lockdown, despite this, are we keen to know that, that we are continuing to grow, that God's purposes of renewal in us, our growth in us, us being transformed, that the life of Christ is being raised up in us, are we interested to know that this is going well for one another? I'd encourage you to think about and reflect on whether this is true of you and what it might be. Uh, that 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 we might pray that this might be more the case for all of us during this time. And I'd like to encourage you even more with the rest of this passage. We are, of course, working through Paul's letter to the Colossians. If you haven't uh, been watching, the last two weeks, Andrew has opened up to us um, the first two sections. And so today we come to Colossians chapter 1, verses uh, 24 to chapter tw- uh, 2, verse 5. And um, We're especially looking at through um, the letter to the Colossians, we're looking at God's salvation purposes, especially in terms of renewal. That is that um, uh, salvation is not simply that uh, I'm saved from sin and death, or that God takes me out of this decaying and broken and fallen world, but rather that God who has created this world, in Colossians chapter 1, it says, For in him, in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. God isn't doing away with this world he has created, but rather has entered in to transform it from within, to renew it from within. And so... Um, We're looking at this theme of renewal, and my prayer is that through this time, um, particularly um, globally, where we might find ourselves uh, less able to connect in the ways that we would normally, that we wouldn't see this as a time where um, we're unable to be growing and being renewed um, in our relationship with God and being transformed, that this is a prime time for those things to happen. So take encouragement as we read this passage, I'd like us to look at a few things. That One of them is to see how Paul describes the hope uh, for the church, the hope of glory, and, and how he describes, uh, in a sense, the gospel. This is an aspect of the gospel, the hope of glory. Um, we can look at uh, any number of New Testament writings to consider how the gospel is spoken of, but we, we're looking particularly at Colossians and looking at how Paul speaks of this aspect of the gospel, the hope of glory. And I want to look at how uh, Paul's ultimate goal is, is seeing how the gospel actually moves us, uh, or, or or that we ought to be seeking to be moved and growing and maturing, that, that the gospel has a not just a beginning, but its purpose is for us to grow and mature. And... Uh, And then also to see Paul's endeavours, his efforts, and the lengths he goes to, to see people uh, presented, maturing Christ. His goal is to see people mature, and I want to look at his efforts and endeavours in doing that. And so firstly, um, this, this, this aspect of the gospel is spoken of in these terms. In verse 26, it's spoken of as a mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. What is this mystery? Is it that God had a salvation plan? Well, the Old Testament was always clear that there was a salvation plan in in God's mind and being worked out. Um, And and could it be, could the mystery be that the Gentiles are included in this salvation plan? I think yes, but I think it's even more than that. Because again, even in the Old Testament, again, we knew that God had all of humanity in view um uh, in his salvation plans and that's spoken of and so i think that yes uh, the gentiles being included that that the non-jewish people could receive salvation um, through jesus that yes this is part of the mystery but it's more than that it's how god was going to carry out this salvation plan Um, and so he says in verse 27 um, to them god has chosen to make known among the gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so how is God achieving this salvation, this renewal, this transformation? It's through Christ in you. This is the hope of glory. And and, and the hope of glory is another way of thinking about uh, salvation. What is it? What what does glory mean? Uh, It's speaking of the splendor and excellence of something. Or another way of looking at glory is uh, the exalted position or situation we might find ourselves in, that we we were here, but now we've been glorified, taken into this exalted position and situation. But of course, when we talk about glory, um, uh, we know that um, uh, when Paul writes to the Corinthians, he speaks of being transformed from one degree of glory to another that there are different degrees of glory, that we can grow in this glory, that God's salvation's purposes are for us to be continually transformed until we finally see Christ face to face. And so Paul says, this is part of speaking of his goal and, and where he sees the gospel taking us, he says, he, Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. His goal is to see everyone presented fully mature in Christ. And and what he's speaking of there is in our relationship with Christ, that we would grow in our relationship with Christ, that the life of Christ has been imparted to us through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And so... um, Paul's desire, again, or his goal, again, he speaks of in in chapter 2, verse 2, where he says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And again, that idea of mystery, that that God was seen as mysterious and his purposes and ways were seen as mysterious, but in Christ's Christ is the image of the invisible God we see God revealed and we see his salvation purposes revealed in Christ and in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and he wants the colossians to know this so that they won't depart from Christ that they won't be led astray to think that there's other things that um, are more important that they they're to grow on beyond Christ that okay Christ is the foundation but now now don't forget to do this, this, and this, and not to do this, this, and this, Um, that somehow it's their relationship with Christ that they begin with, but also continue in and find ultimately uh, the the fulfillment and satisfaction of their life found in Christ in the end. And so he says in verse 4, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Um, And so he's longing for them to be grounded in their relationship with Christ. And then finally, we we see in this passage, Paul's endeavours, his the efforts he goes to um, for the sake of the church. He speaks of rejoicing in what he's suffering for them, and he fills up in his flesh what he's still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. That's a strange... Um, expression for Paul to make, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. And we know from all of Paul's writings that he doesn't think that um, Christ's afflictions, his death or his sacrifice, is insufficient for salvation. So what does he mean that he fills up in his flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions? The only thing that's lacking now is a personal representation of the gospel that Christ has ascended into heaven, but Christ has poured out, the Father and the Son have poured out the Spirit, and that through the Holy Spirit the life of Christ is imparted to the church and to us so that we can personally present the gospel, the good news, to the rest of the world. And so Paul is saying that this is what he's filling up in his flesh, and, and that he is now making this personal presentation. He's made it to the to the churches, and he's uh, wanting it to make uh, he's wanting this to go out to the world. And so he also speaks about in chapter two, verse one. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. He's contending. He's wrestling. Now, I look at the Apostle Paul and I look at these efforts and I might just feel this great challenge, like what a model. Here's the life of Christ being displayed. And, and, and shouldn't we all be like that, that we should be contending and wrestling to see the, our fellow believers mature in Christ? We should be contending. We should be working and strenuously um, exercising all that we have to see one another built up. And we might see this as a great challenge. But if we read carefully in uh, verse 29 of chapter 1, he talks about um, his strenuous contending in this way. He says, to this end, I strenuously contend. And he's talking about um, this end being that everyone is uh, presented fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. It's Christ working in him, he's wrestling and and um, he's working, but he's doing so with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in him. And 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 this is our reason for for, for confidence and hope that the, that our hope for glory is a certain hope. Why? Because Christ is powerfully working in you for your renewal for your glorification. Your hope is certain because Christ is in you working it out. Now, in this life, um, we may struggle sometimes to see that, but the more that we exercise our faith and confidence in Christ's work in us, the more that the life of Christ is revealed in us. And, And the way that we sort of have this worked out is is in seeking that relationship to become more and more intimate, that we see God not as an idea but as a person who's looking and longing for us to relate to him and that as we do so, um, as we place our confidence and trust and faith in him, the work of Christ is indeed worked out in us. How might be some of the ways that we can we can do this or exercise this well this week for myself I came back to a practice I had I used to practice a lot of, uh, but I, but I haven't for a long time and that's memorizing scripture that as I exercise um, uh, my heart and mind in in both memorizing and declaring scripture it, it's, it, it's like putting it alongside those things that seem contrary to that So I might feel something and experience something, but then I place beside that the word of God. I place beside that the promises of God, that God has promised this. And then I pray back to God the promises that he's made. I I breathe those prayers back to God. Um, Another way um, of working on our relationship with Christ and noticing Christ's work in us is actually by simply exercising faith and confidence in that truth. That is, that we might find ourselves in circumstances or situations where um, there's an opportunity to trust, not in our words or our behaviour or our ability to convey or do something, but rather trust God's transformative work in us, that he is at work, and so, and because that's where the power for transformation comes. Not from my ability to do something or say something, but rather from Christ's work in me. So my words are not perfect, but my belief is that Christ is at work in me. Exercise trust uh, in in Christ's work in you. The other thing I was practicing this week was in in a Zoom meeting, a staff meeting that we had. I was visualizing Christ in my fellow staff members. And and as I did so, this smile just spread across my face, and I and I marveled at the beauty of these people that I work with. Because I could see that Christ was in them. Uh, Practice that when you're walking down the street. Practice that at the dinner table. Look at the people around you and see Christ at work in them. Uh, Because it's as we exercise that it's sometimes our faith in others that brings out. The life of Christ in them. These are just some ways. I think we're presented at this time with opportunities to explore how we might uh, grow in our relationship with Jesus. We live such distracted lives normally, and now. We might continue to do so, even in an attempt to stay connected with everyone. Our phone flashes, our phone beeps, or we're looking at every Facebook thread. And by all means, I think we should make every effort to remain as connected as we can um, with those around us. But don't miss, in this time, the connection above all connections. Jesus is in you, at work in you, and he's waiting for you. May the glory of God fill all things as the life of Christ arises in you. I encourage you to continue reflecting on this with some discussion questions that will come up. God bless you as you reflect more deeply on this.